This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not drawn from any single account of the story of the Tanuki. This mythological creature, sometimes confused for a raccoon, a badger, or a dog, varies in accounts across the different regions of Japan. We've combined several disparate interpretations of the Tanuki, along with a generally accepted account of the creature's literary and cultural history for the purpose of this episode. Korahiko stifled a yawn. He couldn't afford to sleep. Not tonight. He had a trap to spring. The thieves had come into his home for the last time, robbing him of jewels, of morsels of food, of bottles and bottles of sake. But not tonight. Korahiko had bolted the doors and barred the windows. When the thieves came for him he would be ready with his knife. He must have fallen asleep. He jolted upright and saw three kimono-wrapped figures outside his door trying to break in. Korahiko shouted as he drew his blade, running at the thieves. These vagrants had no respect for others. But then the thieves turned to him, he saw that they were not men at all. They were furry creatures. Their ears were pointed like devil's horns, and their long, furry cheeks and pinprick noses made them look very menacing indeed. But Korahiko's eyes were drawn down to their waists, where bulgy, fleshy scrotum sacks emerged from the folds of their kimonos. Tanuki. Korahiko never stood a chance as the fox-like creatures bashed him with their sacks, beating him until he was broken and bloody. They turned back to the door and flung their sacks against the boarded wood, breaking it down easily. In the morning, when Korahiko woke up, moaning in pain from his wounds, his house was ransacked, all of his sake was gone, and one of them had stolen his wallet. 
Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every week we dive into history's most legendary monsters. In telling their stories, we hope to shed light on some truths hidden behind the creation of these beasts, where they come from, what they symbolize, and how they expose humanity's greatest fears. You can find episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythical Monsters for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help us. Today, we're discussing the Tanuki, also known as the Bake Danuki. While the Tanuki is a real animal, the Japanese raccoon dog, it has also existed as a Tanuki yokai, or a supernatural being, in Japanese mythology since the 8th century CE. Today, we're going to look at famous stories of the tanuki in Japanese mythology and track the evolution of the creature from that of a fearsome, antagonistic spirit to the more friendly, cute version that proliferates Japanese culture today. The earliest mention of a tanuki in ancient lore comes from the Nihon Shoki, the second oldest book of Japanese history. A passage about Empress Suiko, the 33rd monarch of Japan, reads, For two months in spring, there are tanuki in the country of Mutsu. They turn into humans and sing songs. Alternate interpretations of this passage read that there are badgers in the country of Mutsu. One thing to note here is that in many of these texts, tanuki seems to be interchangeable with mujina, or badger. This likely ties into real-life confusion between the actual tanuki animals and badgers. The real-life tanuki is a small dog-like creature with rounded ears and pointed furry cheeks that make it reminiscent of a raccoon. It was, and still is, often mixed up with raccoons, badgers, or foxes in the wild. The terminology isn't the important thing about this passage. What's noteworthy is the assertion that these creatures could turn into humans and sing songs. In the earliest stories of the Tanuki, which grew in popularity during the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries, the creatures would turn into humans and pull tricks on unsuspecting citizens. They used illusions to transform junk into money, which they used to buy food or sake. However, Tanuki could also be generous, lending money to those down on their luck. In the most famous stories of the Tanuki, the creatures used their magic to do battle with evil spirits, specifically the kitsune, the foxes. And for those of you who may be hearing about the Tanuki for the first time, it is impossible to discuss the creatures in any of their interpretation without mentioning their most famous attribute, their large, magical scrotums. 
In art from the 19th and 20th century, tanuki are depicted as having large, stretchable scrotums, which they use as blankets, coats, boats, nets, shields, and even weapons. This bizarre physical attribute has carried over into the modern image of the tanuki, which is that of a rounder, fluffier creature that have large scrotums. Of the hundreds of tanuki across Japan, there were three who were the most famous, Danzaburo tanuki, Hage tanuki, and Shibaemon tanuki. What follows are some interpretations of those stories. Stories of tanuki and their exploits vary across the different regions of Japan, but the tale of Danzaburo tanuki is among the most famous. One day, a man, or a being who looked like a man, arrived on the island of Sado, west of the Japanese mainland. He wore a distinctive leathery cloak, unlike anything the inhabitants of the island had seen before. It was a dark time for the inhabitants of the island. The land was overrun with kitsune, evil fox spirits that preyed on the unwitting people who lived there. The people turned to their daimyos, lords who oversaw the island, for help, but it was little use. The kitsune were crafty and had great control of magic. It seemed it would take another kind of magical being to bring them down. When he first arrived at Sado, Danzaburo Tanuki brought several large wooden cages filled with straw. Amidst the straw beds, the onlooking fishermen could see dozens and dozens of soft, furry things. What do you bring to our island? What creature is that in your cargo? The fisherman asked. In response, Danzaburo Tanuki kicked one open, revealing its contents. Dozens and dozens of furry tanuki scuttled out from their cages, away from the harbor, and into the woods. I have brought tanuki, Danzaburo Tanuki said. They will breed until they overrun the kitsune, and then this island will be safe again. Danzaburo Tanuki made the island his home, and soon he came to learn about the other troubles that plagued the people who lived there. He would take long walks along the docks, his heavy cloak wrapped around him, and talk to the fishermen who would tell him of their money troubles. My nets are torn, one said. My boat has a hole in it, said another. Whenever he heard tales of such hardship, Danzaburo Tanuki would always reach into his coat and present the needy with handfuls and handfuls of stunning gold leaves, which he would lend to sailors. No one ever knew or asked where Danzaburo Tanuki got his seemingly endless supply of money to lend out. There were occasional reports across the island of the wealthier citizens waking up to the sounds of some kind of animal growling near their homes. When they went to investigate, they found that they had been robbed. On their doors would be nailed a promissory note, an IOU from the unknown thief, promising to pay back what was stolen. Whenever this happened, though, the victims would always eventually wake up to see that their money had been returned and the promissory note was gone. 
Rumors swirled that the mysterious benefactor was a Tanuki himself, shapeshifted into a human, and that he was the one behind the bizarre thefts and the even more bizarre returns. Wherever Donzaburo Tanuki went, he always seemed to appear as if out of thin air. When he left, he would also seem to simply vanish. The people of Sado suspected that magic was at play, but no one knew for sure, except for the Kitsune, with whom Donzaburo Tanuki would often do battle. Next, we'll discuss the stories of Donzaburo Tanuki's combat against the wicked Kitsune. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Today, tanuki figures are popular as good luck charms. The creatures have long been associated with financial prosperity and with trustworthy moneylenders. This would seem to harken back to stories of Danzaburo tanuki giving money to the people of Sado and always returning the money he borrowed. But there was always more to the tanuki's abilities. In the earliest known myths of the creatures, they possess powerful magic, which they used to do battle with the kitsune. This was the mission of Danzaburo Tanuki. Danzaburo Tanuki had come to Sado Island as a generous benefactor. He brought Tanuki to the island so that they would breed, multiply, and hunt the wicked foxes there. He lent money to the people on the island who needed it, and most importantly, he killed Kitsune. One day, Danzaburo Tanuki was preparing travel from the Japanese mainland back to the island of Sado. A Kitsune approached him. See here, said the fox, I'll pay you for passage to Sado. I cannot swim, but I must get to the island, for there is a Tanuki there that needs dealing with. I will take you, Danzaburo Tanuki said, smiling at the knowledge that this Kitsune did not see through his disguise. But the people of Sado do not want more Kitsune coming to their shores. You must shapeshift into a garment so that they are not suspicious. The Kitsune hissed, It will be far from comfortable to let you wear me. Danzaburo Tanuki replied stubbornly, it would seem I hold all the cards, that is, if you truly want passage to Sado. So the kitsune turned itself into a shawl that Danzaburo Tanuki wrapped around his chest. Danzaburo loved wiping out kitsune, but he'd begun to grow bored with the crusade. To entertain himself, Danzaburo Tanuki had begun to come up with more and more creative ways of doing away with them. Danzaburo Tanuki stretched out his mighty scrotum until it was large enough to act as a raft. 
He hopped aboard and kicked off from the dock, letting the waves do the work of carrying him and his shape-shifted passenger across the water. When the boat reached the deepest part of the ocean, Donzaburo Tanuki ripped the garment off and tossed it in the water, leaving the kitsune to drown. This was Donzaburo Tanuki's way. He shied from direct conflict and instead focused on tricking Kitsune into bringing about their own downfall. In another wildly overcomplicated scheme, Donzaburo Tanuki encountered a Kitsune during his patrol of the island of Sado. Rather than strike the creature down himself, he challenged the Kitsune to a showdown. You are a kitsune and versed in the art of changing your shape. Let us put that to the test, Donzaburo Tanuki said. I fear you are no match for me, the kitsune responded. Why, I'd wager I can transform myself into an entire platoon of armed men, Donzaburo Tanuki boasted. The kitsune was sure there was no way Donzaburo Tanuki was speaking truth. No Tanuki, no matter how powerful, could transform himself into an entire platoon of men. So the kitsune called Donzaburo Tanuki's bluff. Donzaburo Tanuki chanted magical phrases, and in a flash, he vanished transforming into a whole platoon of armed, marching men. Ha! the kitsune exclaimed. You would seem to be quite skilled in magic, but I would test this illusion. With that, the kitsune leapt forward onto the nearest man, who screamed in surprise and tossed the kitsune to the ground. From a hill overlooking the platoon of men, Donzaburo Tanuki laughed as the men surrounded the kitsune. The wicked fox had been right. Donzaburo Tanuki couldn't turn himself into an entire platoon of men. No Tanuki was that powerful. But Donzaburo Tanuki had seen the platoon of the local daimyo's men approaching and had timed his disappearance perfectly as the men approached. Thus, the kitsune was fooled into thinking that Donzaburo Tanuki had successfully transformed. The daimyo's men seized the kitsune and beheaded him for attacking them, and so one more kitsune was removed from the island. The stories of Donzaburo Tanuki are largely centered around Sado Island. His legend has been presented as the reason that there were no foxes on the island. It is in this kind of story that a Tanuki is portrayed as a kind of generous but mysterious protector. Donzaburo Tanuki fights the kitsune for the betterment of the people of Sado. He also lends out money to those in need, but he is not above stealing money when he needs to. Some stories portray him as using his magic to trick humans into falling into holes or walking into trees. The prominence of Donzaburo Tanuki's story could be linked to the general rise in popularity of Tanuki tales. The name Donzaburo has been linked to a suspected real-life person who frequented the island of Sado in the 17th century. 
this man allegedly made it his life's mission to conserve the Tanuki population on the island. This aligns with the rise of the Tanuki as a mythological figure. When Buddhism came to Japan in the 6th century, all of the pre-existing mythological creatures would have been reclassified according to their relationship with gods. Tanuki were noted as not being messengers of the gods, so Buddhist stories tended not to focus on them for several centuries. However, through the 15th, 16th, and into the 17th century, Buddhist priests in Japan competed with one another to attract followers. These priests began commissioning depictions of supernatural creatures, including the tanuki, in order to offer new, colorful artwork that would attract people. This timing directly correlates with the rise of written stories of the tanuki, including that of Danzaburo Tanuki. Danzaburo Tanuki's legend, specifically the story of how he tricked the kitsune into attacking the regiment of soldiers, repeats in the legends of the other two best-known tanuki, Shibaiman Tanuki and Yashima no Hage Tanuki, though they each also star in their own stories as well. And in some of these stories, tanuki come as being quite mischievous. In some stories, Shibayamon Tanuki was said to live atop Mount Mikuma with his wife, Omasu. Life was good. Shibayamon Tanuki liked to get into his fair share of trouble, as was the nature of his kind. But everything always seemed to turn out in his favor. During the days, he would transform into a man and hike down the mountain to the city of Sumoto. There, he would play tricks on the people— he liked to turn junk into gold and then make extravagant purchases. His buyers would only learn later that the money they'd received was totally useless. He wasn't all bad, though. At night, Shibayamon Tanuki would patrol the mountain path. When he encountered drunken townspeople, he'd take on the form of an old, wise-looking man and guide them home. Once he saw them safely to their houses, he'd wait around for his reward, which was usually also a bottle of sake. Once he was back home atop the mountain, Shibayamon Tanuki would bang his hands on his large belly, and the thumping would sound out across the entire region. He did this every night, so that the people always knew when he was home. One day, word reached Shibayamon Tanuki and Omasu about a play being performed at a nearby kabuki theater. They set out for town so that they could take a look at the production for themselves. On the outskirts of the village, they each transformed into humans so that the people would not be alarmed by their presence. When they arrived, Shibayamon Tanuki presented two golden leaves to pay for the tickets. The disguised couple took their seats and waited for the show to start. There was a sudden alarm. Shibayamon Tanuki saw guard dogs roaming around the aisles beside the audience. A tanuki is here, someone shouted. The gold leaves that Shibayamon Tanuki had used to pay for the tickets had turned back into regular leaves. The theater owner knew he had been swindled by a tanuki. The crowd erupted into chaos as the dogs moved among them. Shibayamon Tanuki made to run, 
and didn't realize that Omasu had fallen behind him. He turned and, to his horror, discovered that the dogs had caught up to Omasu. He had to watch as they tore her limb from limb. When Omasu was revealed to be a tanuki, the ushers at the theater quickly gathered her remains and took her away. The crowd settled back into their seats. Shibayamon Tanuki was heartbroken over the death of his wife, but he also wanted to watch the play. He and Omasu had traveled a long way to see it. It would be a dishonor to her memory for him to leave before the final curtain call. The play began, and Shibayamon Tanuki realized he had made a fatal error. The actors came on stage, each one of them accompanied by a dog that was a part of the show. The dogs growled and barked, suddenly alarmed as they smelled another tanuki in the crowd. Shibayamon Tanuki ran for it as the dogs leapt from the stage, but he stood no chance against the dogs as they ran him down and tore at his flesh. The people caught up to him and bashed him with rocks until he was dead. That night, when nobody heard the familiar sound of Shibayamon Tanuki beating on his big belly, they knew that he must be dead. Theater attendance declined steadily after that. It was only after the people came together to make a statue in Shibayamon Tanuki's honor that the theater started to once again see business. Like Danzaburo Tanuki, Shibayamon Tanuki's stories vary across different regions of Japan. Some versions of the story even use the same story setup from Danzaburo's legend. While Shibayamon Tanuki and Omasu are waiting for the show to start, they engage in a challenge of transformation. Shibayamon Tanuki tricks Omasu into thinking that he transformed into a platoon of soldiers. When Omasu jumps onto one of the soldiers, they cut her down. One thing to note about Shibayamon Tanuki's story is the emphasis on how he likes to drum on his big belly. This is one of the physical attributes that is carried over to the modern conceptions of the tanuki. In fact, there could be a translation issue here with mixing up Shibayamon's big belly for the big scrotum that was common in other depictions of tanuki. The end result was that tanuki began to be known for both big bellies and big scrotums. Today, the fictionalized version of a tanuki is a round, cartoonish animal with big eyes and a number of mandatory accessories that seem to have carried over from centuries of tanuki lore. Whereas earlier iterations of the tanuki were mischievous warriors, current tanuki are more like adorable gnomes. A big part of the unification of the various tanuki traits was the general rise in communication technology and the proliferation of art and sculptures across all of Japan. We've said how, centuries ago, each region of Japan had its own slightly different take on the tanuki, but as the country became more unified and the cultures of different areas began to mesh, the conception of the tanuki began to meld into a singular idea of what the creature was. This was compounded by the rise in popularity of Shigaraki ceramics, 
which formed the tanuki figures that are still popular today. And the idea of a tanuki as a ceramic statue, an item that can be bought and displayed in the home, actually has its roots in a popular tanuki story. Next, we'll discuss the story of the tanuki that became a tea kettle and how that legend may explain the modern image of the tanuki. Now, back to the story. The fractured nature of tanuki lore makes it difficult, if not impossible, to track a singular arc of how the creature went from being a slender, magic-wielding trickster with a large scrotum to a plump, lovable pop culture figure with a large scrotum. The evolution of Buddhism, combined with the rise in popularity of ceramic figures, all seem to have played into the Tanuki's chronicle. As we've said, the earliest mention of the Tanuki came in the 8th century CE. But it wasn't until the 19th and 20th centuries that depictions of Tanuki became widely popular. And it was these depictions that began to draw attention to Tanuki scrotums. Few actual stories focus on tanuki scrotums. It's largely from paintings, drawings, and sculptures that tanuki have become synonymous with large scrotums that they can use for all manner of purpose. One would think that the focus on tanuki myths would be related to some legend of the tanuki's sexual prowess. In most myths, exaggerated physical traits tend to be symbolic and indicative of a being's ability, but this is not the case when it comes to the tanuki. The tanuki scrotum isn't just considered to be overly large, it can expand and retract at will. Some drawings see these scrotums extending to such a large size that tanuki can use them as boats. This ability to stretch their scrotums actually seems to trace back to metalworkers and to a long-lasting association between tanuki and good financial luck. The link between tanuki and large scrotums originates with metalworkers from the city of Kanazawa. In order to make a thinner form of gold leaf, these metalworkers would wrap gold in tanuki scrotum skin. Because gold leaf needs to be hammered out to be as thin as possible, it needs to be wrapped in a material that is capable of stretching out to great lengths. According to legend, tanuki scrotums are elastic and tangible and perfectly suited for this purpose. Tanuki scrotums thus became associated with golds and general wealth. This, in turn, led to demand for wallets or coin purses fashioned from tanuki scrotums. These pouches were seen as good luck. They'd help you stretch your money, just as tanuki scrotum skin stretched with hammered gold. Bizarre as it may seem, this is the commonly accepted origin behind the depiction of tanuki as having large scrotums. But it doesn't explain how these mythological creatures shifted from being slender warriors to round, adorable little furballs. This part of tanuki lore traces back to another popular tanuki story, the Bunbuku Chagama, or the Magic Kettle. As the story goes, one day an old, poor man was walking alone when he heard the distressing yips of a nearby tanuki, which had gotten caught in a trap. The man went to help the creature, 
freeing him from the trap. The tanuki was badly hurt, so the man took it back to his cabin, where he bandaged its wounds and nursed it back to health. When the creature had regained its strength, its thoughts turned to karma. No kind act in this world should go unrewarded, the tanuki said. You are clearly a man of very modest means, yet you didn't hesitate to help me in my time of need. I would like to repay your kindness. The man was not expecting a reward, but he did not want to offend the creature by rejecting its offer. He sat and watched as the tanuki rolled on its back, spinning round and round, its tail shrinking as its legs retracted into its body, its head transformed into a long spout as its body turned round and black and metal. When the transformation was complete, the tanuki had turned into a tea kettle. Now, the tea kettle tanuki said, take me to the local priest and sell me your payment for a good deed. The man scooped up the tea kettle and took it with him to a nearby temple where the priest purchased it from him for five copper coins. The priest took the tea kettle home, filled it with water, and set it atop a roaring fire. He waited for the water to boil, but instead of hearing the telltale whistle of steam shooting through the spout, he instead heard the agonized scream of a tanuki. He watched in fascination and horror as his newly purchased tea kettle sprouted legs, a tail, and a head before rolling off of the fire and on to the cool ground. Before the priest could even react to this strange turn of events, the tanuki kettle bolted out the door and into the night. The priest felt he'd been cheated out of a tea kettle, and so he went to the poor man's home and demanded his money back. After the priest left, the tanuki kettle returned to the old man, full of sorrow. It is to my shame that I was not able to function as a tea kettle should. I have another idea, though. Follow me, the tanuki said. The old man followed the tanuki kettle outside, where a length of twine had been fastened between two posts to act as a line for laundry. The tanuki kettle leapt up onto the line and deftly balanced himself, shifting back and forth with great dexterity. "'I may not be good for brewing tea,' the tanuki kettle said with some embarrassment, "'but I'll bet no one in this village has seen a tea kettle with legs perform tricks.' If you set me up a length of rope in the middle of town, people will come from all over to see me walk. The man had nothing better to do, so he decided to try out the tanuki kettle's plan. He fastened some string between two posts in the center of town and placed the tanuki kettle atop it. As predicted, People were astounded by the tanuki kettle, and soon tourists from all over Japan were coming to see him do tricks. The man made quite a lot of money from these exhibitions, and he and the tanuki kettle lived out a comfortable life as friends. The two things to note about this story are how it once again emphasizes the tanuki's magical ability to transform itself— 
Illustrations of this story show a big, round tea kettle with slender legs, a small head, and a big tail. This imagery may have contributed to the evolution of the tanuki to a squat, round creature with a big belly that looks more like a Furby than a fox. Today, the tanuki is generally depicted as a round, squat, raccoon-like creature. It wears a hat, which symbolizes its preparation for bad weather. It carries a promissory note in one hand, a reference to the story of Danzaburo Tanuki, in which the tanuki is depicted as not being above stealing, but always trustworthy to pay back what is owed. In its other hand is a bottle of sake, though modern interpretations have tried to lean into the family-friendly aspect of the creature by framing the sake bottle as an emphasis on moderation, the reality may harken back to the older stories, namely the ones in which the tanuki break into sake breweries and steal all of the sake they can find to get drunk. One major change in the evolution of the tanuki's features is its large, adorable eyes, which have placed the creature more in line with the anime-style animation that has been popular in Japan for decades. And finally, there are the creature's abnormally large scrotums. These large sacks are meant to emphasize tanuki figures as good luck charms. In buying a tanuki figure, you're wishing for your wallet to stretch and overflow with money, just as tanuki scrotums reportedly stretched when hammered over gold. One of the other possible explanations for the evolution of tanuki's physiology is the production of shigaraki ceramics. This is a very popular style of ceramic pottery in Japan, and it's suspected that potters were the first ones to make ceramic figures of tanuki that resemble the ones sold today. It may well be a case of tanuki merchandise being so popular that it actually changed the cultural image of the legend. The ceramic figures of tanuki that are sold in shops across Japan are still popular today. This is despite the continued emphasis on the tanuki's scrotum. Western culture may look to this anatomical oddity as belonging in a more adult-oriented character. But in Japan, it's just accepted as a normal trait of the animal, not unlike the hump of a camel or the stripes of a zebra. The popular Japanese animation company, Studio Ghibli, even made a movie about Tanuki called Palm Poco in 1994. The family animated film featured anatomically correct Tanuki, who used their magical scrotums for all manner of tasks, including combat. To this day, the creature appears in Japanese ads and commercials. There's even a popular nursery rhyme about tanuki and their most famous physical trait. It translates roughly to Tan Tan Tanuki's balls, even without wind, they blow around. The tanuki developed from mischievous monsters in the Buddhist religion to folktale creatures and finally to bubbly, smiling cartoons. Just as stories of the tanuki varied across the different parts of Japan, the depictions of the creature were different and specific to the artist. The proliferation of tanuki stories influenced the popularity of tanuki art. 
The demand for tanuki figures has kept this mythical creature alive in modern culture as a lovable, sake-loving figure who exudes warmth to visitors and locals alike. Tanuki is one of those mythical creatures whose myth still persists today in modern culture, while a Western perception of the creature tends to focus on the humor in the animal's physiology, it's an acceptable and family-friendly part of Japanese culture. The tanuki, it seems, will outlive us all. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythical Monsters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythical Monsters on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Colin McLaughlin. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mythical Monsters.